Hey guys, what's up? So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, this weekend has been an emotional roller coaster for me, to say the least. Um, just recently, there it has been a new documentary, a Netflix documentary that just released. It's called Pray Away. It features some of my friends and um, and some people that I don't know. Uh, but obviously, it hits very close to home because the documentary is about um, basically people who have tried to come out of the homosexual lifestyle um, and have decided that they want to go back into the lifestyle or be gay, basically. And so, um, of course, it hits close to home because I am someone who's left the homosexual lifestyle. And um, ultimately, it breaks my heart to see the film. And I have a lot of things that I want to say about it and what I thought about the film. And many people want to hear um, what I thought about the film. And so... That's what we're going to do on today's episode, so stick around for that. Uh, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper, and yep, that's right, you heard that correctly. <laughs> I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ, and this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me, and educate those that maybe are not like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk about what a real life with Jesus looks like in 2021. And nothing is off limits and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. Before we get started, however, I do want to let people know that this podcast is completely free to listen to and we do accept donations and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, click on the description and you will find the link to becoming a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my website where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App, and that's SamuelAbrahamPerez.com. So like I said, uh, today's episode is all about this new documentary that just dropped on Netflix this weekend called Pray Away. Um, I knew about the documentary already. I knew that it was coming because um, I'm, I am friends with Jeffrey McCall, who is featured in the documentary. Um, he is the founder of Freedom March, and I'm going to be, if not, have already put up a video of an interview that I'm doing with him about the documentary. And so he had told me about the documentary, and some others had told me as well. And like I said, the documentary is a Netflix documentary that was produced by Ryan Murphy, who is the creator of American Horror Story and, um, and uh, a bunch of other really queer shows um, that are out right now. And um, and so, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to talk about how I felt about the film, and uh, kind of my emotions that I've been going through uh, this weekend in watching the film. I'm very emotional, so just a little spoiler: probably will be crying, probably will uh, get emotional on camera, and that's okay. You know, I think that's that's fine. So I want to explain a little bit of the movie first and foremost. Um, and then I'm gonna get into some stuff. I watched the entire movie and I wrote down some things that really caught my attention or things that didn't really make sense. And so I'm just gonna give you guys my raw and my very real thoughts about this film. I haven't prepared a script. There has not been uh, a bunch of thought that have been going into these answers. It's just really how it made me feel and you know, and what I believe that the film is all about and stuff like that. So if you haven't already watched the film, I mean, you don't need to. Um, that's a question in and of itself. Um, I don't believe that you should watch this film if you yourself are um, struggling with same-sex attractions and it's something that you actively right now are trying to change in your life. I think um, this documentary might 
instill fear and doubt inside of you if you are not um, like spiritually prepared for something like this. Um, even me, that I'm pretty strong in my faith, watching this film was extremely triggering. It was extremely traumatic. For those of you who do not know, I also was a part of Exodus, which is one of the ex-gay um, ministries that um, are being torn down in this documentary. Um, I wasn't a part of it in leadership or anything like that. I attended some conferences. I was actually forced by my parents to go to one of these conferences. I didn't want to go to an Exodus conference. And so it hits, yeah, close to home. It's, uh, it's something that I went through as well, and I have firsthand experience. So if, if maybe you're watching um, this podcast and you're hearing me and you're saying, oh, well, you can't really talk about that because you never experienced any of that. I experienced Exodus and I experienced ex-gay ministries before, um, including a lot of which were mentioned in the film, like Living Hope and also Exodus. So, um, and I know people from there and, um, and yeah, a lot of my experience was very similar even to the people in the film. So I can talk on it because I've lived through it. <laughs> and, uh, I guess maybe that gives me a little of validation to be able to do that. So yeah, um, for those of you guys who are going and have, will have same sex attractions and are actively trying to, um, work on their relationship with the Lord. I mean, if you, if you believe that you're strong enough to watch this film and that you're rooted um, and you, you don't have any fears or doubts or anything right now that are, are strong, I'd say go for it, watch it. Um, you might learn something from it. I might learn from people's past mistakes and what not to do. Um, but if you are someone who's already on the fence about a lot of things, um, maybe take some time before you watch this documentary. And so, um, like I said, I, I don't think the documentary is bad. I'm glad it's actually being shared and so on because we have something to talk about and something that needs reformation in the church definitely um but i am a strong individual uh spiritually and even it affected me and my mood and my emotions and um it was a little disheartening so even for me um then that's why i don't necessarily recommend uh, that this this documentary is for the weak hearted um and so or i don't know if that's a good way to say that but anyways um the movie, like I said, Pray Away, is a documentary. It features my friend Jeffrey. Um, he's in the beginning of the movie, and it, they like to put him in the movie because he is currently doing what I'm doing, which is he's walked away from the homosexual lifestyle, and he used to be transgender. And so they put him on there so that he could um, explain sort of his situation, but not really. They didn't really give him a lot of um, an opportunity to explain himself, as they did with the rest of the cast. Um, and then, of course, there um, it's people from the old ex-gay ministries, um, people who were involved in the ex-gay ministries and then from the 90s to the early 2000s, um, leaders in Exodus, uh, which if you guys don't know, Exodus is an ex-gay ministry. It was one of the largest ones in, um, in America, I believe, and maybe in the world. It was pretty much for people who... Um, wanted to leave behind the homosexual lifestyle. And so it was, it was mostly targeted towards adults. And so um, a bunch of these leaders, they came out um, from the ex-gay ministry and said, we don't want to do this anymore. Um, we believe that what we're doing is harmful. And here are our stories. And so they share their stories of what they did and, and how they feel today. And um, most of them are actively identifying once again 
um, as bisexual, gay, uh, maybe transgendered, depending, uh, lesbian. And so um, that's basically what the documentary is. It's just sharing their stories and their traumas of what they went through um, in conversion therapy, quote unquote conversion therapy. Because uh, um, some of it in the film is conversion therapy and some of it is just ex-gay ministries. And they use that term very loosely. Um, they, I don't think that they really define conversion therapy in, in, a, in, a, in a very good way because they kind of just throw that word around because they know it has negative connotations. And so they say, oh, let's, let's, throw, let's throw conversion therapy around so people are obviously impacted by the trauma of that word and know, oh, this is a bad thing. Like this is when you force people to do something that they don't wanna do. And so a lot of people in the documentary, nobody forced them to do anything. Um, and and it, it makes it seem like they did, um, which is, in my personal opinion, I think wrong because all of us are especially in america we're not slaves we have freedom here um yes there can be manipulation and you know emotional things that can go behind that um, but ultimately at the end of the day we're all adults and we can all make our own decisions um and but there are stories on there like for example there's a, a young female named julie who Apparently, her parents wanted that for her. She did not want that, which is the case uh, to many people who have been involved in X-Game Ministries, including myself as well. Um, I did not want to go to Exodus when I was a, a, a teenager, and I ended up going to please my parents. And so I was, quote unquote, forced to go to this X-Game Ministry, and I still made the best of it, you know? Um, I really did try to make the best of it, and, um, and I don't have... A traumatic experience myself from Exodus um, I went to two of their conferences and meetings and um, you know I'm okay I'm fine I don't like everything that they did but um, it, w it wasn't like traumatic for me and so but I know that um, there are people who have had experiences that are not good but I'm just going to talk about my experience because this is my podcast. <laughs> and um, and yeah, so I'm just going to stick with my experiences and how I, I felt. So uh, that's basically the gist of the movie. And um, and yeah, and let's, uh, let's start first with the first note that I took, which was um, about Jeffrey, my friend, who is the founder of the Freedom March. As you guys know, I have spoken at a Freedom March before. For those of you who are not familiar with the Freedom March, it is literally just a stage in the public, probably a beach or in Washington, D.C., right in front of the um, uh, the monument. And uh, we go there, we share our testimonies, and we pray for people, and that's it. It's one weekend where we can people like me all over the world can come and get together and stay at a house um, or separate houses, whatever makes you comfortable. Um, and just talk with each other and pray with each other and um, and encourage one another. And then we go on stage and we tell people what God has done for us in our lives. And it's as simple as that. There's no counseling. There's no pastoring. There's no church building behind that. Um, and that's what Jeffrey does. I think it's a really beautiful thing. He's given me the opportunity to share my story in ways that I would not be able to share it before. And it's impacted so many people's lives. Um, you know, the last Freedom March, it was incredible. 
um, so many people were so happy with with my testimony and um, they came up to me and it really gave them a lot of hope and encouragement uh, those who are struggling and people who weren't struggling with that so um, I think it's a really beautiful thing do I necessarily agree with everything that they do or that they stand by no um, remember it's a group of individuals from all different backgrounds of life and different churches and so not all of us know exactly what everyone believes in but the most important thing is hey this is this was our life before and this is our life now and so in the gist of it all of us are united by that and that's it that's all we do so um i like that they included a little bit of jeffrey's story in the beginning of course um sharing that he used to be transgendered and then now that he's been saved by jesus and that um, his whole goal is to tell people about that and yeah, that pretty much sums up Jeffrey and I like that. I'm like, I like that they wanted to include him in this documentary, but at the same time, I feel as though they included him just so that um, people would have someone that they were angry at over the experiences that some of the other people in the documentary had. Um, there always has to be a hero in a movie and a villain in a movie. And the editors of this film know exactly what they were doing when they invited Jeffrey to come onto the film. And Jeffrey's so humble and um, really a, a very nice guy that he's like, you know what, I'm not scared of being made look, uh, like if they wanna edit me to make me look bad, they can do that as long as my story gets shared. Um, because he'd rather look bad in a documentary he himself has no power over and get to share his story than um, to have this perfect image of perfection. I, I believe so. So, um, so of course, they make him look like a villain, look like everything that he's doing now is some sort of way involved with what people used to do in the 90s and the early 2000s, which could not be any further from the truth. Um, and you can watch more about in, in my video with him, um, the interview that I did with him to learn more about that. And so, um, yeah, in the film, they need a villain and they need a hero. And, and, and in the film, the, the ones who have gone back to the, sex, the, gay, the gay lifestyle, those are the heroes. And uh, Jeffrey and people like me and my friends, we are the villains. And we are the reasons, um, they believe we're the reasons why people are committing suicide and taking their lives, and um, which could not be further from the truth. And so... Um, the next note that I put is that they make God in the documentary, which is very interesting because they they don't even um, they don't even really talk about the entire reason why all of us are doing what we're doing. Um, they never talked about Jesus in detailed length. Um, I think the most person that mentioned Jesus was obviously Jeffrey, and so. A lot of the reason why many of us, our desires have ultimately changed um, is because we never wanted our desires to change. What we wanted was Jesus. And so when I came to Christ, it wasn't because I wanted Christ to change my sexual nature. It wasn't for that at all. Um, all I wanted was Jesus. I said, Lord, you can have my life. I don't want any part of it. I don't want a relationship. I don't want a job. I don't want, I don't want any of it. I said, you can do whatever you want to do. Same thing with Jeffrey. 
Jeffrey asked God and said to God, um, will I be able to serve you? You know, it's that servant's heart. And so um, I think a lot of what happened um, is that people who are featured in this documentary, I never heard them talk about Jesus. And maybe the, they edited it that, that way because one of the people in the documentary, she was in a church. A church doesn't mean anything these days. And so um, a lot of them, it looks as though what they were chasing was just a changing of their sexual nature and a changing of their flesh, which we know that for some is possible and for some it's not. Um, and for example, like me and Jeffrey, both of us still struggle with same-sex attraction. And it doesn't bother us because it doesn't bother God. Um, what bothers God is that you don't want him and want him holy, um, want all of him. And so, um, yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of what was depicted in the documentary is just that it's just like, it's just people who really were ultimately upset that they couldn't get what they wanted. Um, and of course they're like, it's, it's a lot of the ex gay ministries are to blame. Yes. Um, we can't sit here and say that it was perfect. Um, I know many people, for example, I have a, a, an older friend who has stayed out of the lifestyle. He's married. He's in his, um, I believe, 60s or 50s. as a little bit older. And, um, and he was a part of all those programs in the 80s and in the 90s and 2000s. And he'll tell you straight up, yeah, it wasn't perfect. Some of it wasn't good. But they were doing their best, the best way that they possibly could deal with this. Um, and, and some of the things were good and some of the things were bad, just like in everything, like there's humans are going to be humans and there's going to be good things and there's going to be bad things. If you don't understand the concept of mercy and grace and forgiveness, um, you're going to live your entire life just bitter at everybody because of the mistakes that they make towards you. Um, and we make mistakes all the time. So how can we hold people up to that expectations? Um, especially in ministry, ministry is run by people. It's not run by God. And so you have to differentiate when things are God and when things are people. And so if a certain ministry um, hurt me, um, I can't put that on God's shoulder and I can't let that, I can't let that experience mold the interpretation of his word. I am, I'm taking his word by my experiences that I've had with God himself, not the experiences that I've had um, with people because people are flawed and I don't want to live my life bitter. And I certainly don't want to live my life for other people. Um, like I said, they're flawed. And, um, and God is the only one who's perfect and who's good. He doesn't deserve the consequences from the mistakes of, of, of other people. And so um, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Another thing that is really interesting uh, about the documentary is that they basically make it seem as though God is angry at gay people and that he gave them AIDS. And they use preachers um, from the 90s or the two, early 2000s to kind of prove this point. Guys, it's very easy for me to go on YouTube right now and to pick someone from a Christian denomination or whatever claiming to be a Christian that is literally just spewing hate online. It's not God's word. It's not what God's word says. Um, it's very easy for me to just go on YouTube. Oh, I'm going to take this pastor who hates gay people or who hates has obviously a personal bias, which by the way, Jesus told us not to do, not to have personal biases. 
and um, if you didn't know. <laughs> and um, I'm going to put him in my videos and make it seem as though all Christians believe this. And yes, of course. And in the 90s, it was a very different time than, than the 2000s, 100%. Like, we have a lot of more of acceptance and we've come a long way and I'm happy for that progress. Like a lot of what I'm doing today would not be necessarily accepted um, in Christianity, but times change and we can't hold people accountable for uh, like the times changing. If I wanted to do what I'm doing today in the 90s, I mean, I probably would feel really uncomfortable, but if I felt as though I'm called to do it, I would do it anyways. You know, um, yes, things were different. There was a lot of hate towards gay people. We know that. Um, but those are just people who don't like gay people, not because of God, but because they have hate within their hearts or they feel uncomfortable or something like that. You can't associate God hating anyone unless that's what it says in his word. And then, of course, you know, there are verses and stuff that people take out of context to say, oh, look, this is how God feels about gay people. This is how God feels about this. If God felt at any point that we could not be redeemed, um, then he wouldn't have uh, or even w wanted us to be redeemed. He wouldn't have sent his son to die for us and to die for our sins. So people would take Old Testament passages and apply them to the New Testament. And we know that the New Testament is filled with love, truth, justice and mercy and forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And God has ultimately given his son for homosexuals. God has given his son for heterosexuals, for any sinner that you can think of and for any sin that you can think of. God loves everyone. That's why he gave his son for the entire world. So I think sometimes we have to remember that. So God is not angry at the gay people. And he didn't give them AIDS because of, of gay sex or whatever the case is. Now, of course, there are consequences to our actions. And when we deliberately disobey the God who created the world and do things the way that we want to do them, he knows best and he understands that, hey, there might be something that can come out of this that is not healthy for you. I didn't design things this way and that might produce something. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think like, I think sin, any sin, um, produces something bad. That's why Jesus tells us he doesn't want us to sin. Not because it's like we are held to some type of certain standard uh, and that we have to meet that standard by our works. No, he tells us not to sin because inherently it's going to be bad for us. It's not going to be bad for him. He's Gucci. He lives in light. He is light. Like he is the definition of good. Whatever we do does not affect him in any way unless he allows it to affect him. And so the sin part is it's we have to avoid the sin because ultimately it's going to endanger us because he knows how he created us and what we are meant for and what are the things that we are not meant for. And so, of course, if I have premarital sex or if I have sex with a man, I might get an STD. I might get someone pregnant. You know, there are consequences to the things that I do. And that's why God says, hey, I'm going to try to help you out. Live by the spirit of God. Listen to me, what I've done before in the past. And try to follow this way so that you don't get sick. So that you don't get someone pregnant. So that you don't um, are devastated by someone cheating on you or leaving you. And someone who hasn't made a commitment to you. These are all things that are really healthy for us. Why would we want to deny those things? 
Um, so no, I don't think that God was angry and that he gave gay people AIDS. And I think that's that's what they insinuated in the documentary. I mean, guys, like really watch this documentary and really like look at what they're trying to produce from it. Like those clips were inserted there because they were like, oh, we want to make it seem as though God or the people of God think that God is like this angry person. And so the whole goal of the documentary is to pull people away from God. It's not to pull people to God. And so, and, and then there's the other goal of just like, oh, we're going to worship a God that is based on our feelings. And that God's okay because it's not the one true God. So, and guys, I'm sorry if I'm going in, like, I'm sorry if like, this is really offending maybe somebody who's watching or listening. I'm not trying to offend people. I'm just trying to give you my real raw thoughts. Um, and this brings me into an emotional state because I am sad like that people are hurt by the church. I'm not saying that the church has never hurt people, that ex-gay ministries have never hurt people before because we have, we're human. And I'm sad, you know, um, I don't want people to be hurt. I want people to find love and joy and happiness. That's the whole point of what I'm doing, what Jeffrey's doing, and what many people around the world who are trying to get closer to God, that's what they're trying to do, is trying to encourage and build hope and happiness for people and joy, joy that's everlasting, that goes beyond not just this life, but into the next life. And so um, to see people angry, bitter, upset, with pain, with trauma, um, it's happening, obviously. I have a heart. Um, <laughs> maybe people watching this don't think I do, but it is sad. And so um, I think um, a lot of this film is, um, it's like, oh, we're gonna do this so that we can pull on the heartstrings of people. This gets people riled up. This gets people away from God. This produces an image that is just false of people who are doing things like me. People are gonna watch that documentary and then they're gonna go back to my YouTube channel and they're going to think that I'm doing the things that are in that documentary. And a lot of what's in that documentary isn't true. It's not true. It's people's experiences. And sometimes experiences aren't necessarily the truth. Um, like they showed in the documentary, <laughs> um, uh, people lied. They lied that they said that they had been cured from homosexuality. And who's to say that they're not lying now about um, their convictions? Like... And that's when it comes down to, you know, like having your own personal relationship with God and letting allow, uh, letting God speak into your own life and him telling you what you should believe. And, and you can just pray and ask God for that. I felt really sad watching the Exodus Conference um, people because I saw, you know, the 90s and the 2000s were a different time, guys, the early 2000s. It was a different time where you could not talk about being gay. Um, if you did, you were ostracized. And, you know, we can't blame the church for that. Um, I don't know who's to blame. But um, it was saddening to me to see all those men, grown men, crying because of the guilt that they felt, um, probably the isolation that they experienced. Um, and that's why I do what I do today. Guys, I get on here and I share with you my real and my raw thoughts because I'm like, I don't I don't want anyone to ever believe that they can't be honest with the things that they're going through or that people are going to judge them. And if they judge them, then who cares? You know, people are going to come on my YouTube channel and they're going to judge me. 
that's okay because I have God and God loves me and he thinks I'm special and valuable just like he thinks you're special and valuable and no matter how many people think that you're not when you know that God loves you and that you have value it doesn't matter what people think so that's why I do what I do and I come on here and I try to help people and I say hey like this is this is what God is doing in my heart this is what God can do in your heart too and just seeing those videos of those men um, kneeling down and crying and breaking down and I can just imagine that they maybe didn't have a lot of people to talk to about this um, they didn't want to be transparent they couldn't be honest which is sad they didn't have environments church environments where they could be honest and I talk about that all the time like the church environments that I grew up in were not exactly healthy all of the time and so um, it was it was sad for me to watch that part um, and then also I think that I think that people had a lot of shame and guilt because they couldn't change or they couldn't be what they thought was um, the normal in society. Like I said, a lot of people in the documentary, it's not about Jesus. And, and that makes me even more sad because it's like the whole reason why I'm doing all of this and why everybody else is doing it is supposed to be for Jesus. It's not supposed to be so that you can be an outstanding member of perfect society with your heterosexual like attractions. No. We're, we're supposed to be doing this for Jesus. Like the reason why our desires are supposedly changing is because Jesus is the one changing it for us. And, um, and then the, there's into temptations and all that different stuff. And we're going to get into that later. But that's the main goal. And so a lot of these leaders, they were struggling with the fact that they, they had guilt that they couldn't change. And, and, and that says volumes, guys. I've read books. It says volumes about what it is that they really wanted out of this situation. They maybe felt as though that they couldn't be, um, they couldn't be honest and real with the people that were around them um, and that they needed to change in order for people to want to be around them. And if that's the case, then you need to be careful who you let around you. Because guess what? There are a lot of people, including like me, that have this experience that if I go to a church, I do feel those feelings of people around me who I can't be real with or who are wanting me to change or not be myself. Even when I throw on, you know, a, a flower shirt or a costume, there's always going to be people who are not going to love you and accept you for how God created you to be and, and want you to be transparent and honest. Uh, but you can't let that define your life. You you can't live your entire life like trying to accept the approval from people. And that's what I just kept seeing in the documentary. It was just like uh, approval from people, approval from people, like fear of man, fear of man. Like I want to make this person happy or I want to make myself happy or I, I, I can't be real with this person, can't be real with that. Like if you put that much pressure on people, I don't think it's healthy. The only person that can exceed your expectations and meet your expectations is Jesus. He's the only one who can do that. And that's why when I was seeing them speak, I'm like, these people carried a heavy burden. No wonder they have so much trauma because they were never really honest to themselves about what it is that they really wanted. And guys, I mean, that's not the experience in the case for everyone. Like the documentary makes it seem that it's like everybody who's an ex-gay is just doing this to please other people and it's not because I I don't do this to please other people if anything I get more judgments I, when I put myself out on, on YouTube yes it's awesome I, I, I have a great life and I love doing it and there are benefits to that 
but I don't do it because I want the approval of people. <laughs> it makes me laugh because I'm like, I, I get so much more hate than I do approval of people from Christians and from non-believers. So I, that would be a very heavy burden for me to carry around if I'm being honest. It, and and I, don't, I don't want that burden. To me, I don't care what people think. I care what God thinks. And he's the only one that's important to me. And why? Because I have a real relationship with him. I have a genuine relationship where I only care what he thinks. And so, and I base that on God's word. I don't base that on my own opinions and my own feelings. Um, I did not like, in the documentary, how they talked about um, this ministry that's called Living Hope. Um, I don't know a lot of what's go what go goes on there. My personal experience, I'll tell you what my experience has been. I met Ricky, um, Ricky Chalette at a young age we had a phone call he was extremely nice he was um so merciful like i, I don't know how to describe him like he, we we had a phone call and i was like uh, he asked me do you want to do this um or are your parents wanting you to do this um and i told him honestly you know hey this is how my feelings this is what i want to do this is what i don't want to do he was super understanding and he helped my parents, he counseled them through a lot of things of what they were going through, dealing with this situation and dealing with me. And guys, I was a troubled child, let me tell you. If you think I have my way now and all of this, what I'm speaking, all these opinions and stuff like this, you should have seen me when I didn't have the Spirit of God. Well, I should say I didn't have it, but I wasn't following the Spirit of God. <laughs> and so, um, but Ricky was a good experience for me. I remember when I came back to faith, I sent him an email and I said, hey, Ricky, like, I would love to talk to you again and get to know you a little bit more and see how I can be involved in Living Hope, um, uh, attend conferences or whatever, um, because I had a good experience with him. He didn't, he, and I don't like the way that they portrayed him. Once again, they made him look like a villain. They made him look as though he was manipulating people, and um, he just doesn't get to defend himself. Um, and I and I know that at the end of the film they said they reached out to Ricky, but it's like, can you even defend yourself in a documentary that's just going to twist and turn your words like they did to Jeffrey? They met Je Je Jeffrey was like, okay, I'll be in the documentary, and they made him look like he's doing things that he wasn't doing. So I can understand why he didn't want to be in the documentary. Uh, but uh, Ricky's my friend, and I have nothing but good things to say about him. I don't know him that intimately. I'm not involved with Living Hope Ministries. I've used some of the resources that they've given out. And a lot of, especially Ricky's, Ricky's uh, teachings have helped me tremendously. And so um, it's also just really bad timing if you know anything about their ministry. Um, and I just don't like the way that they did things. Um, I, I don't, you know, it's just not right uh, to talk, talk and say things about people when those people can't defend themselves. And so one of the reasons why I am talking about the film is not because I want to argue or discredit what the people on the documentary were saying, but they put their feelings out there. They've already they've already put what they've gone through out there. They've defended themselves essentially. I'm just co commenting on what they said and what is my opinion. These are my opinions. And I'm not here to attack anybody's experiences I've had my own experiences and I want to share my experiences and my opinions of what I thought about in the film just like they do. And um, and a lot of it is because you guys have asked me to do it. Um, I, I had so many messages this weekend. What do you think about the Pray Away film? What do you think about the Pray Away film? 
And, um, and I know you guys want to hear it, and I know it might help some of you guys to know that a lot of what was said in the film was not true. And, and I want to bring that help, and that's why I'm doing it. Not because I want to discredit anybody's experience, or I don't think that what they went through was real in any type of way. And, um, and hearing their stories, I genuinely do feel bad for them because I myself have struggled with everything that they've struggled with. So, of course, I relate. But, of course, we've taken two different pathways. And, um, and a lot of the documentary people, I would love to talk to them, sit down, have a conversation with them, um, see how they feel about things. Like, I'm not opposed to that at all. Um, I don't know if they would want to talk to me. They definitely didn't want to talk to Jeffrey. Uh, if you listen to the interview, they didn't invite him to the premiere of the movie, and he's in the movie. And so um, go check it out if you haven't watched it. It's really good. Um, and so they also made Jeffrey look like he thinks that gays are demonically possessed or that they're inspired by the devil in some way and that everything is spiritual warfare, which we talked about that in the interview. I didn't like that. That's not true. I don't believe, like, yes, we live in a spiritual world, and we, but we also live in a physical world. And sometimes it can be spiritual and sometimes it can be very physical. It's a mixture of both, I would say, because they're two worlds that overlap. Now, of course, that sounds crazy to a scientist or someone who doesn't believe in the supernatural, but we as Christians, we believe as, in the supernatural. I know a supernatural God. He's the one that I worship and that I serve. And so, um, I mean, I don't think that... I, like I said, I don't even think that there is such thing as a homosexual demon. I don't think. Like I, I'm saying so many things in this video that I feel like I'm gonna like they're gonna like probably like, uh, just take this video down or something. Hope hopefully hopefully they don't. I'm trying to choose and pick my words very carefully, um, because I'm really bad at communicating sometimes. But I don't think that there is such thing as a homosexual demon. Um, I don't think that people experience I mean maybe some people do I don't want to describe anybody's experiences but from what I've seen a lot of what happens is spiritual and it's also physical when it comes to homosexuality it is psychological and then it's also spiritual it's a little bit of both and not everyone needs deliverance not everyone needs deliverance guys I want I want people to know that that sometimes we think that as Christians like oh if you're gay you need deliverance there's a demon around you possessing you or overpowering you or something's going on and that's not the case always. Sometimes it's just as simple as that person doesn't want to follow God. Or that's, you know, it's just as simple as that. The person just literally does not want to follow God. For whatever reason, they made that decision themselves. Maybe it's not even demonic in any type of way. Who knows? But um, I'm not going to get super into that because that's demonology and that needs to be really um, taught correctly. Another thing that I did not enjoy about the documentary was that they made it seem as though everything was political and about money for right-wing conservatives. Uh, conservatives. <laughs> I'm not political. I never get political in any way. I never use my platform um, for political policies, presidencies, um, any of that. I don't care. I mean, I do care. I, I have my responsibilities as an American citizen to vote and do all that. And so I have my personal opinions. But what I believe about politics is very separate to what I'm teaching about God's word. And so to me, it was interesting that they made it seem as though I'm sure. No, I'm sure it is true. Like there are probably some right wing conservatives who just really hate gay people and they want they don't want gay people in America. They don't want gay people to succeed in America. They don't want gay marriage to happen. Yes, that is true. But that's not the, that's not necessarily 
the case for every single person who is an ex-gay or is involved in an ex-gay ministry that it's supported by right-wing conserva- um, conservatives. And like Jeffrey's ministry or like my ministry, there is no big corporation that backs me up. I do all of the videos by myself. There, there, There's no sponsor behind me that's like, oh, we love your story. Let's use you as a catalyst for, um, for anti- and anti-same-sex marriage or all these types of things like that's not what i'm doing and it's not what jeffrey's doing and so there are people out there who are genuinely in love with the lord and their goal and mission is not to try to stop anything that america wants to do their goal and their mission is just for you to experience the presence of god and for you to walk in the spirit that's it why is that so hard to understand i mean yes there has been situations like that in the past with other ministries and I'm glad that those things have come out. Why? Because then it shows people's real true hearts and the people who were involved in things like that, but not th- this new wave of what they said, passing down the torch to this new generation of ex-gays and all this stuff. Um, a lot of us are not like them in any way, in any type of way. And you can clearly tell. A lot of those people would never go on YouTube and wear wigs and wear makeup and try to reach... Um, Generation Z and do things unconventional and untraditional um, They would never do that and we're doing that why because we don't care like we just love Jesus And so we're not here trying to please anybody. We're just here trying to follow the Spirit of God and so um, The thing about Exodus as well, you know uh, the ministry Uh, um, In the documentary they talked about the sports and the makeup that it was all about behavior modification. Um, I wouldn't doubt it. When I went there, um, I do remember playing <laughs> basketball, or I think it was football. Uh, we did hikes. Uh, I remember it was a very, particularly my experience. We, we woke up one day and it was like they wanted us to do a hike. And um, I was in that specific conference, I think it was like four days or something like that. And it was really cool and fun. And it actually was. It was, it was really fun for me because I had never been in a place with other gay people. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, there's so many gay people here. There's so many men here. And I felt comfort. I was like, oh, I don't feel alone. You know, um, I don't feel like I'm the odd one out. And that was so special, guys. Like, you don't understand what that meant for me as an individual. Even for people who were trying to actively change, I wasn't at the moment trying to actively change. Um... And I still am not (laughs) like I would say I'm trying to follow Jesus. And so you can consider that a change, but it's different than trying to change my sexuality. I've never tried to change my sexuality. All I've ever wanted is to follow Jesus. But at the time, I didn't want to follow Jesus. And I definitely did not want to change my sexuality. And so um, I remember we woke up in the morning and they told us, oh, we're going to go hiking. And I think out of everything in that conference, that was the one thing that I remembered the most because we had to go up a really high mountain. And when we finally got to the high mountain, everyone hugged each other and we all congratulated one another um, for completing like this really, really hard hike. And it was really hard guys. Um, and it was just like a really, it was a really emotional and beautiful bonding moment that I'll never forget. And it was, it was lovely. It was lovely. I got to make connections there that I still have today. Um, like. I have uh, at least one friend that I can that I'm keeping up with still, um, and he was amazing, and he was around my age. And by the way, guys, when I went to the Exodus conference, there was an experience that I had that they said, "Oh, everyone under this age, stand up. Everyone under this age, stand up." 
and I was the youngest one in that entire conference. I was, if I'm not mistaken, 17 or 16 years old, um, but I was the youngest one at that conference. So I could have taken it as very traumatic at the time, but I like to look at things like a cup half empty, I mean cup half full, <laughs> instead of cup half empty. Um, and so at the time I was miserable because I was like, I don't want to do this. And my parents like forced me to do this. Um, but like I said, it wasn't anything that was like, oh my God, they locked me in a room and they told me this and they did this and they made me cry. And then, no, my dad was there the entire time with me. I didn't go alone. He went with me. My dad's straight. Um, he's obviously married to my mom. Um, and he went to every workshop with me. He was there holding my hand through it all. Um, if at any point, he also asked me, what workshops would you like to go to? What, what do you think is the most interesting? Um, it wasn't anything that was like so forced like that. My parents used to force me to do stuff all the time, like clean my room and wash the dishes and go on vacations with them when I didn't want to and still do. Um, none of those things are inherently traumatic um, and the conference certainly wasn't. So yeah, they do do the sports thing and the makeup thing and that's what they thought would help. I, I don't I who's it's not I don't do that I don't do sports and I love putting on putting on makeup um, and I do that to attract um, uh, t and TikToks to make TikToks and to make my face stand out more so that more people can hear my testimony and stuff like that not because I walk around wearing makeup every day as you guys if you knew me in person you would know I don't I like to have a bare face it's actually good for your skin to breathe and stuff so and every morning I'm not putting on colorful makeup or wearing crazy hats like you guys see me and costumes and stuff if you see my bible studies like I don't do that as a regular individual that's an online thing that I do but I don't think that makeup is bad and I don't think that sports is bad and and I don't think that we should assign them to certain gender so I don't think that um but some leaders at Exodus they did at the time and you know that's that and so um I think you know John John Paul said some things and he said, first off, he said that Christianity is about marriage and a family, which is just wrong. Um, I think many people <laughs> do believe uh, that Christianity is about marriage and a family. But if you open up this book right here, I'm pointing to the Bible for those who are, who are listening, pointing to the Bible. If you open up this book, nowhere does it say that God's goal for you and that what he wants you to do is to get married and have a family and that be the end of it it doesn't say that it says go out into the nations and make disciples of the teachings of jesus and the sermon on the mount there's nothing about marriage there at the only time that he even addressed marriage in the context of divorce um and he it, like that was uh, i think matthew chapter 12 or 24 i'm not sure i always get those mis mistaken um and he talked about people who would never get married in the same exact context. So if you believe that Christianity is just, oh, marriage and a family, did you read this book? Did you read this book? Because I read this book and it doesn't say that. Other people may believe that, but that's because they don't read this book. And maybe because they never wanted Jesus all along. They just want what they think is going to be best or they want the moral... Um, compass of a christian without actually wanting jesus and and remember what jesus said he says on that day many will call out to me and i will say i do not know you i don't know you so there are a lot of people out there who are claiming to be believers claiming to say oh yeah christianity 
or idolatry in marriage. I, I don't doubt that, but that's not real Christianity. And so for you to link that into Christianity and say, oh yeah, Christianity, all Christians believe all that they want is just a marriage and a family. And they want that for people like me who struggle with same-sex attraction. I'm sure those Christians do, but I don't necessarily agree with those Christians because it's not what God's word says. And so show me where it says in God's word and then I will I will agree, but it doesn't say that here. And I've studied it enough to know if it would say that or not um, because I, I study the Bible all the time. So, um, and that reminds me, guys, if you haven't checked out my live stream of the Bible studies that I do, um, they're on every single Wednesday on my YouTube. And so I'm currently doing the book of Hebrews. And we have 10 more minutes. I want to I wanna only have this podcast for an hour. So let, I'm going to try to get through all the notes, maybe not talk so much. But like I'd said and mentioned before, um, pride and what people were thinking was a lot of the motivations behind these leaders that are speaking out and sharing their experiences. Um, John, Julie, all of their stories revolved around what people thought and, um, and the ministries that were being funded through those same people and all that stuff. I don't have a lot, I don't have a big opinion um, about what happened back then because I live in the now and I live in the today and I don't do that in my ministry and so I can't speak on behalf of what they did because I don't do that. So, um, and like I said, I don't care what people think. Um, I do to some extent care about people's feelings, like a lot. (laughs) Um, I want to spread love. I want to be considerate. Um, that's what Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're supposed to be doing here is to love one another. And so I do in that extent care about people's feelings. I want to love them. But as soon as people's feelings are more important than the word of God or God's relationship, um, then we have a problem because nothing goes above God's word and nothing goes above my relationship with God. It's God's word I mean, uh, yeah, God, my and my relationship with God, then God's word, and then, you know, the, the feelings of people who I'm trying to minister to. Um, and that might change later on in the future. So, so now what we have here, what I wrote down is that, do I believe that I have to disagree with those who believe uh, differently than me? I think I worded that really different. Um, basically, it's like, can I agree with people who don't agree with what I believe in? And the answer is yes. If someone comes up to me, and I've said this before, and they say, I am a gay Christian, am I going to not agree with that statement? If someone comes up to me and says, I am a woman, but I was born a man, and I want you to address me as a woman, what am I gonna do? First off, it's based on the situation. Um, Whether or not I'm building a relationship with that person or not, everything is, there is no one and done. Everything is situational. And so the first thing that I'm going to do is, what's the situation? What, what is this relationship that I have with this individual and this person? Um, but my first response is to love people. My, my first response is to respect people and to honor them. And so I will honor people and have the decency and the respect to say, if you believe that you can be a gay Christian, that's your belief and I accept your belief. But I hope you can accept my belief that I don't believe that for myself. And many others don't believe that either. And I think that's okay because you just accepted their belief and therefore they can accept your own belief, right? I don't need to have my way. I, like 
1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, I don't need to have my way and I'm trying to push my belief onto them. I don't need to do that. Um, I have my truth, which stems from the word of God, and I believe is the truth. They might not think so, but I think so about that. And so they are entitled to what they believe. And if they want to be a gay Christian, they can be a gay Christian. Who am I to say otherwise about their lives? And who are they to say otherwise about my life? And that's the way that I think about it. So I can agree to disagree. And um, acceptance doesn't necessarily mean affirmation. And when I talked about that a little bit in the interview, I can accept something without having to affirm it. And, um, and I think sometimes we forget that. Like sometimes we think we have to, we can't accept things because if we accept things, then we give it power. And it's like, no, you only give something power if you affirm it, not if you accept the, the situation that's happening here in front of you. And, um, and I go more deeper into that in the interview with Jeffrey. So if you want to check that out, you can. And so uh, Julie in the documentary says that she was being used as an agenda to prove the point that men were bad. And that's why she turned to lesbianism. They taught her that you are a lesbian because men are inherently bad. Um, or that they, she believed that men are bad. and um, But that's interesting because then she talked about the experience that she had with um, sexual abuse. And I would like to know if she does really believe that men are bad. And, um, and what is the drive in her sexual relationship with now that she is with a woman? Why she would want to be with a woman instead of why she would not want to be with a man um and i would like to know if she really does hate men because if if what they're saying is untrue like she loves men she's had good experiences with men everything's fine she doesn't have anything against men she has no trauma no trigger no nothing about that then what they said is a lie but if she does hate men and she has trauma and she's triggered and all of that stuff then maybe what they said is true which was, oh yeah, a lot of your, and I think that if you spend, like this is just my two cents, um, she can respond to this. I would love to have her on and talk to her about these types of things. Um, but my two cents is if someone spends years with you in therapy and you know a person they've mentored you and um, they've counseled you and they say, hey, I believe this about you. 14 years, I believe she said in the documentary, um, and then you're like, no, I don't want to believe that. Then it's at that point, it's like kind of up in the air. If you, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like if they said, hey, we think that what is producing your same sex attractions or what could be contributing to it, not everything because we have flesh, obviously. And then there's things around us in the spiritual that we don't know. So we have flesh, spiritual, bunch of other things, but something that could be contributing to you wanting to be with another woman is the experiences that you've had with men. And if they say that, and that's not true, then say that's not true. But in the documentary, she said she did have bad experiences with men. So therefore, it makes it true. And, um, and I could be wrong. So I didn't necessarily want to talk too much about that. Um, but it's just a thought that I had. Because you see how things just don't add up? They, they don't add up. They don't make sense to me. And I could be wrong. Um, but John Polk said in the documentary, it says it's getting worse and worse as he gets older, that the sexual temptations that he was having was getting worse and worse. And I believe that one of the reasons why, like, and that can be a very big fear for people like me uh, or anyone who struggles with same-sex attraction. I don't want to, I don't want to go to God 
because later on in life, I don't want to change my mind or I, I don't know if I could bear the temptations. That is a genuine fear. Yes, like same for me. I, when, I, when I first came to God, I was like, I don't know if I want to do that or be that or put my story out there. I don't know if I want any of that, God, because what if later on I change my mind and then I bring, I, I, I don't bring good things to your name and to the testimony. But I, I, I believe that one of the reasons why things were getting worse for him and for many other people is because he wasn't being transparent. He lied. He said he lied. When you lie, you're essentially building like walls around you that keep you in isolation. And isolation loves bad fruit. Isolation loves addiction. Isolation loves temptations. It grows and it festers like a bacteria and like a mold within that environment. And so he's like, yeah, it's getting worse and worse and worse. I wonder why, because you're not being honest with anyone around you. You're not being transparent with anyone around you. And if you are, um, and maybe it's only with a few individuals because you're scared of what other people might think or what the organization that you're a part of might think. And so there's a lot of factors that go behind that. And you, you don't have to necessarily do that. You can just be honest with the world about your feelings. My videos, I'm not saying that I am the perfect example because I'm not. I make mistakes all the time. Probably made a lot of mistakes in this podcast. But my videos are out there for the world to see. And everything that I say is genuinely from my heart and what I believe is true right now. And so I don't need to lie because if I lie about what I'm experiencing, I could get up on here and say, oh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't experience any of that. I'm good. I'm Gucci. Support me. I've had change in my life happen and I'm no longer gay and all these things, right? I could get on here and say those things, but it's not true. It's not true. And that would fester like more and more um, uh, temptation in my life. That would create an environment for the devil to work in me and then also for myself to self-sabotage um, in my life. So um, I think that's why I don't think we should hold that fear. I don't think that um, saying, oh yeah, things when you are an ex-gay or when you've walked away from or you're, and your desires have changed to follow Christ, that your desires are going to get stronger and stronger and stronger because it's actually been the opposite. For me, my desires have gotten weaker and weaker and weaker the more I am transparent, the more I am honest about what I'm experiencing the more that I reveal some of the traumas that I face um, and I put them on podcasts or I talk to someone in my church. Um, but of course, if I don't do any of that stuff, um, of course, maybe the temptations would get stronger. And that's exactly what happened to John because now he's in a relationship with a man. Julie's in a relationship with, a, with another woman. All the people that were featured in the documentary besides one, I think, because it was the only one that I saw, um, she was in a heterosexual relationship, but all of the other ones were in a homosexual relationship. So you can see where their loyalty was. If I walk away from the lifestyle and I say, oh, you know what? Um, I don't necessarily, um, I, I, I still really want God. I mean, I like, I like this thing, but I still really just want God. I'm going to go and seek out God for myself away from these ministries and away from all the other things um, that I've done before in the past. Then it shows, oh, this is what they really wanted. They really just wanted God. They didn't want the ministry. They didn't want the money. They didn't want that. They just wanted God. But look at where they are. They're not like on the mindset of, I just want God. They're on the mindset of, no, I want God in my relationship. I want God and this girl. I want God and this man. And in the documentary, as you can see, both of them, those two individuals, both had, couple, they were in a, a, a relationship. 
and so and a, and a homosexual relationship. So you can see that's what they wanted all along. And to me, like I said, I think that's a great thing because you're no longer lying to yourself about what you want. I don't think it's good to avoid and to lie about what you want. When I came to Christ, I just wanted Christ. If I didn't want Christ, I wouldn't have come to Christ. I would never say to someone, hey, this is what you want. Oh, don't do that. Don't do, don't do what you want. Do what you want. Because at the end of the day, if you don't do that thing, you're just going to think in the back of your mind, oh, I, I really wanted that all the time. I, I really wanted that. If you don't want Jesus more than you want anything in the world, then don't, don't follow Jesus. Don't follow Jesus. Because he himself said it. He's like, when he turned around, he looked back at the disciples and he said, oh, no, there's way too many people following me right now. He's like, if you're not willing to leave brother, mother, father, sister for me, then you're not willing to follow me. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't want to follow me. And so sometimes we think, oh, no, never say that to someone. Like, how could you possibly say don't follow Jesus? But it's like Jesus said it himself. He's like, don't follow me if I'm not your everything. So make sure that Jesus first is your everything because later on in life, like he said, if you start to construct something or build something, everyone is going to laugh because you never finished it. Because ultimately, he wasn't everything that you wanted. And so I would, I would say I'm very happy that they finally are doing the things that they want. But I would hope that one day that Jesus would ultimately be everything that they want and they wouldn't want anything else except him. But I don't know if that's if that's a thing. It is a thing for me. I have so many notes, <laughs> but it says uh, one of the girls say, said um, that avoidance isn't change, that she didn't change. She just avoided what she was feeling. Right. Um, define that further. Like I would say, first off, um, in my experience, I do believe that I have changed. Why do I believe that I've changed? Because at some point in my life, I only wanted to be with men and I only wanted to be married. I, I mean, I only wanted to be married with a man and that was my whole goal in life. That and my career and some other things, right? My whole goal in life now has completely changed to I want God and I never wanted God the way that I want God right now. Like that was not a thing in my life. So has changed occurred? Someone could say no. Um, but I do believe so, yes, because that's a change. If someone's like, oh, all I think about all the time is marriage and I just want a man to be with, and then they're like, oh, no, I don't want that anymore. I want I want Jesus. Despite the feelings they might feel, there's been a change or else they wouldn't do that, right? So I describe that it's not just avoidance. I'm not avoiding anything. Yeah, there are some things that I'm like, okay, these thoughts are not necessarily coming from me because what I want is Jesus. If I have some looming attractions and temptations that are coming to me, but I know that my desire is to follow Jesus, and then I have all this stuff that's around, that's not necessarily always me. That could be something in the supernatural. That could also be my flesh or just old pattern um, behaviors. It takes some time to actually change and remold your mind. So um, it's, I believe that people do change, that it's not just avoidance, like she said. One of the other things that I noticed is that, yes, people come to Jesus to be loved. And so if we can't love homosexuals, if we can't love, um, if we can't love people in general, how are they ever going to want to experience that love from God? Some people experience that love directly like I did. I believe that anyone can experience that because he did that for me. And some people experience the love of God from others. And I believe that love doesn't leave you where you're at. I believe that love ultimately it changes you because it's light that is shining in the darkness. 
And so when you light a light in a dark room, of course, now you're going to be able to see in that dark room. Something has changed there, right? Someone can't stay in the darkness anymore unless, of course, they reject the light. I believe that the power of love brings people to change. And, um, and, and each situation looks different. Also, one thing that I would love to say just about this whole thing, I know I've spoke very passionately throughout the entire podcast, is that I am really sorry. You know, if I had a lot of them around, I'd say, hey, I know exactly what you're feeling. I've been through that. Um, and they've probably been through a lot more, even more experiences than me because they are older than me. But I would say I'm sorry that you had those experiences. I'm sorry that people treated you that way. I'm sorry that you felt that you couldn't share with anyone or that you were holding guilt um, and all those things, you know. And so I would apologize for the experiences that they had. And I would hug them and I would tell them that they're still loved by Jesus. Um, And then I would share my experiences of how God's love has changed me. And so I do genuinely feel sorry for a lot of what I heard in the documentary. It was sad. I, I cried during Julie's story a lot. Um, I also cried for some other stories that I saw there, especially in the um, Joseph Nicolosi part. Um, so it is sad, and I, I don't want to ever dismantle their experiences and what I believe their experiences was, and I believe that they're entitled to those experiences. And I would agree with those experiences as long as they also agree with my experience and what I've been through as well. And so I really wanted to say that. Um, and I, another thing is that, you know, they mentioned saying that we as ex-gays have blood on our hands. Um, but I believe if somebody were to ever tell me that in my ministry, which nobody has before, um, I don't think my ministry has ever led anyone to want to be suicidal. Um and I don't know about other ministries, but we, even if it did, we're not responsible for the decisions that other people make. And so I'm not responsible for how someone else might feel. Um, people make their own decisions. People can decide what they want or what they don't want to do. And so we are not like, I think that was a horrible thing to say to someone. And I can't like even believe that people would say something like that. Because as we know, like if someone takes their own life, that was on them. That wasn't on the people that were around them. Unless, of course, they were manipulated to do so. Like someone actually made them take away their life. And in that case, it wasn't their decision. It was based on somebody else's decision. But I just thought that that whole part was unnecessary. And um, it, it's sad. Um, Julie mentioned in the documentary as well that she says she doesn't believe. Well, she believes. She believes that people like me are doing the best for everyone. Um, And I don't agree with that statement, especially at the end. She says, oh, they believe that they are doing the best thing for everyone. I'm not doing the best thing for everybody. Not everybody is called to what I'm doing. And Jesus said that himself too. He said not everybody will accept this truth um, when he's talking about eunuchs, right? But it is the best thing for me. And I hope that if they ever do see this video, they would see, oh, He's, his life has actually improved. It hasn't gotten worse. It's gotten better. If I had stayed in that life, I would be dead. I would have committed suicide. And now my life has improved. And that's the testimony that I have and that I've walked with. And so I'm doing the best thing that's for me. And then also the best thing for others um, that want to accept that. 
but it's not for everybody. I don't think it's for everyone. And I don't like the way that they worded that or phrased that. So I just wanted to say that. Um, and whole and healthy, she said that they think that somebody needs to become whole and healthy um, isn't trying to fit yourself into something that you can't be. I don't think that's whole and healthy. Um, I am exactly who God created me to be. And I'm learning that every single day and I'm experimenting in what that looks like. Um, and it's a little of a messy process, but I get to walk that out with Jesus. And I don't ever have to be something that I'm absolutely not. I just have to listen to him and ask him how he created me and walk that process through with him. And so to me, whole and healthy isn't trying to fit into a heterosexual standard. Whole and healthy is to try to fit into what he created me to be and so and i gotta ask him for that because he creates people very different from others and um and i know he did with me i'm a lot different than many other people and i wouldn't know that i'm different if i try to fit somebody else's standard but i'm not going to do that i'm going to follow jesus and what he's created me to do so that was my whole two cents on that and um, they said that the, the ex-gay movement won't stop because the belief that being gay is, is a disorder. They believe, uh, people like me apparently, believe that gay is a disorder and is wrong and needs changing. Well, guess what? Everything in Christ needs changing. This is what Jesus said. So if you believe in Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, you can disregard everything that I'm saying and all this is, this is meaningless. But if you believe in Jesus, Jesus said that everyone must be born again. We cannot stay as our old selves. We must be born again through the power of the Spirit. When someone is born again, that is what he's saying you need to change. There's going to be a change that occurs in your spiritual body and also in your physical one. Like, it, you're born again. So to me, it's like, oh, I don't, number one, I don't believe that being gay is a disorder. Um, there's a lot of ways to say things about being gay that I wouldn't ever say that um does it need changing everything needs changing heterosexuals need changing homosexuals need changing everything needs changing according to the bible it's not my opinion everyone must be born again according to the bible so I didn't say this Jesus said this and if you have a problem with what Jesus said in his word then don't take it up with me take it up with Jesus I'm just following his word and I wouldn't believe that unless he said that so if I have to be born again then that's what I need to do and if you don't like that then don't be Christian don't follow Jesus no one is forcing you to follow Jesus and if people are forcing you to follow Jesus uh, get away from them try to get help away from them um, but I'm not forcing anyone to follow Jesus and I don't teach that and so I'm glad that they gave Jeffrey an opportunity to be on the on the on the feature uh, like as a feature in the documentary but once again i don't think that they really gave him a fair opportunity and he barely got to share any of his story another question that i have for myself and um is would i have been involved in a ministry like exodus i don't think if exodus was running that i would be involved with them right now um if they were doing the things that they were doing back then today i don't i definitely would not be involved and, and, and it's why I'm not involved with a lot of ministries, actually. Um, I can go speak, different churches, different groups, different things like that. But to be in involvement, to be on their payroll, to get paid and see some of the things that they do that I just frankly do not agree with. It's not the way that I would do things. 
I, I wouldn't be involved. Can I attend one of their conferences, hear what they've got to say, hear testimonies and see? Yeah, sure, but I wouldn't work for them. And so no, I personally wouldn't have been. And then another, com uh, another comment that I had, and then we'll finish up with this, says, what is your real definition of conversion therapy? I believe that the real definition of conversion therapy is when people are trying to change just your sexuality without religion um, and it's forced. And so they made their own definition of what conversion therapy is. And so I'm going to do the same thing and I'm going to play their game. If they want to make their own definition, then I'm going to make my own definition as well. And so if they said conversion therapy is all these things in the beginning of the documentary, which isn't true. Um, then I believe that conversion therapy is that. It's when you just want to change your sexuality. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with religion. You just want to change your um, your sexuality and you're being forced to do that or maybe not being forced. That is conversion therapy. And I do not stand by conversion therapy. I never have stood by conversion therapy. I don't want people to change their sexualities. What I want is for people to experience God and have let God have his way with their lives. And that's it. That's all I want. And if you're experiencing God and he's telling you to do something that is different than what I would tell you, then go with that. At the end of the day, all of us will face God face to face and we will be held accountable for what we believed he was saying in our lives. I will face God. You will face God. Everyone will face God. I do believe that. And if you really do believe that that's what he told you, then you can tell him for yourself. I do believe right now where i am in my life and that might change later on i don't know i'm still not done studying god's word i don't think i'll ever be done but i i hold tight to my convictions what i feel and what i believe i believe i'm doing right and what's improved my life what's improved the lives of many other people and what brings me joy every single day and this documentary really was it was saddening to me because i, I now there is an image of people like me, people like Jeffrey, um, that is not true. And so that's why I made this video to clear up all those things. And, um, and I feel bad uh, for the people who were involved in the documentaries and all that, and for the people who are watching who have been triggered and traumatized by this documentary. And, um, and I hope that this brings encouragement to the people who have watched this episode it's cleared some things up about what people might think about my ministry, what people might think about ex-gays in general, and why I even call myself. And by the way, guys, I don't like to call myself that. I just do it so that people understand, oh, he's walked away from the lifestyle. Um, I'm no longer actively involved in trying to pursue a man um, in a homosexual relationship. Um, and so it's the best way to identify myself. But I would say I'm a child of God above anything else. I'm not defined at all by my sexuality. I was defined by my sexuality for such a long time. I'm not defined by, by my sexuality anymore or even by my temptations. Jesus says I am a son of God. I'm a part of his family. And, um, and that's what I believe about myself. And that's what brings me joy. And I hope that others can believe that about themselves too and that they can take that in faith. That when they believe in Jesus, um, that they too become part of the family of God and that God wants to have a relationship with us. So thank you all who stayed to the end. This was the longest podcast I think I've ever done. And um, let me know what you thought about the film. Subscribe to this channel if you haven't already, um, or the podcast wherever you're listening to. Give it a follow, a like, 
share it to people. Um, let me know what you thought about the documentary um, or what you thought about what I said. Um, I'm open to hearing and I'm open to listening and feedback. And so uh, thank you everybody. Have a beautiful day.